Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. Parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. And welcome. This is your Mad Prophet of the Airwaves, and this is Radio Free Canada News, Notes, and Opinions from the Underground for Wednesday, January 25th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Just looking outside the uh, studio window here, snowing pretty hard, really coming down. This is the uh, the big storm we've been waiting for. and We've been pretty lucky here in the GTA. Not a lot of snow so far this winter, and I'm thankful for that. It's a... Uh, it's beautiful uh, and serene, actually, to sit back and watch out the window as these big snowflakes gently fall and uh, land on the cedar trees and the pine trees around the house. Anyway, it looks like a good night to stay in, stay off the roads. And uh, the mighty Aphrodite and I have been um, catching up on some uh, TV viewing. This is a good night to uh, to settle in and watch only murders in the building. Anyone else watching that? Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez, Jody Money. Are you, uh, have you been watching Only Murders in the Building? Nathan Lane, Tina Fey. It's fantastic. Very entertaining. About the three New Yorkers who start a, a, a true crime podcast when people start getting murdered in the, uh, in their Upper West Side apartment building. It's called the Arconia. Anyway, it's very funny, very dark. Terrific murder mystery show. Only Murders in the Building. And uh, as, a, as a fellow podcaster, I have to say, I find it particularly funny. Uh, I guess everyone's making a podcast these, day, these days. All right. Uh, so today, 
We're supposed to talk about mental health, right? It's uh, Let's Talk, Bell's Let's Talk Day. This is a campaign created by the Canadian telecommunications company, Bell Canada, in, uh, in an effort to raise awareness and combat the stigma surrounding mental illness in Canada. And I just, I find it very ironic. Of course, of course, we should be talking about mental health issues every day. Every day. You don't need to put a hashtag on it and, uh, and or tweet it out. But I, I just, I find it ironic that this giant telecommunications company who is coercing their employees to get the experimental mRNA jab, coercion, coercion. And of course, they're not alone. Many, many companies coerce their employees. But now this one particular company, they want to talk about mental health. Hmm. Ironic. Maybe um, the radio people should be talking about our liberal government, which wants to make it easier for the mentally ill to opt for medical homicide. Or as they call it, medical assistance in dying. It's medical homicide. In fact, we know, we know the mentally ill, people suffering from depression, are being euthanized now. We know they're being counseled to consider medical homicide. We know of veterans in Canada who are struggling with depression and PTSD call a helpline. They may likely be counseled to consider medical homicide. Which, uh, I mean, why do we, why do we have suicide hotlines? If someone calls a suicide hotline in this country, are they going to be counseled to consider medical homicide? I mean, this is what our government, the liberal government, thinks about the mental, the mentally ill and the depressed in this country and our veterans with who are suffering from PTSD. So spare me the virtue signaling about caring about mental health. If you vote for the liberals, you could care less about people with depression and other mental health issues because your liberal government would prefer they just go away and alleviate the strain on our wonderful socialized medical sick care system. Let's talk, really? Let's start there. Let's start by addressing the elephant in the room, shall we? Earlier today, I spoke with Christine Anderson. She's a member of the European Parliament from Germany from the Alternative for Germany Party. It's a popular or a populist populist conservative party and she's been very local vocal <laughs> i gotta get my glasses checked she's been very vocal in uh, the european parliament in her support for the freedom convoy and the truckers and that watershed moment in canadian history now approaching the first anniversary and she was also very vocal in her criticism of our crime minister socks the trust fund brat Anyway, she's touring Canada starting next month, Feb 18th to the 25th. And she'll be speaking in Quebec, Ontario, and Alberta. And she was, uh, well, she was so inspired by the Freedom Convoy and the truckers that she wants to meet them. Anyway, that conversation, which was recorded earlier today, will uh, air in the second hour. Here she is lambasting our Prime Minister just before... He addressed the European Parliament to talk about, believe it or not, the rise of authoritarianism and threats to freedom and democracy. 
would have been more appropriate for Mr. Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, to address this House according to Article 144, an article which was specifically designed to debate violations of human rights, democracy and the rule of law, which is clearly the case with Mr. Trudeau. Then again, a prime minister who openly admires the Chinese basic dictatorship who tramples on fundamental rights by persecuting and criminalizing his own citizens as terrorists just because they dared to stand up to his perverted concept of democracy should not be allowed to speak in this house at all. Mr. Trudeau, you are a disgrace for any democracy. Please spare us your presence. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, Christine Anderson and uh, lambasting Trudeau. He's got some chutzpah. I'll give him that. This man child who worked as a part-time drama teacher, ski instructor, and clerk heads a government that freezes bank accounts of its own citizens, refers to people who stand up for their bodily autonomy as those people, and then questions whether they should even be tolerated. And then... He decides to speak about human rights before the European Parliament. Now that's chutzpah. That would be like the supreme leader of Iran, Ali Khamenei, speaking about women's rights. Or uh, El Chapo doing a PSA for just say no to drugs. Or um, Archaga Carias. He's the supposed leader of MS-13 in Honduras one of the worst and most violent street gangs in the world. Imagine Archaga Correas of MSN, uh, MS-13 opening a chapter of Big Brothers. That's Trudeau speaking about democracy, freedom, human rights. Anyway, I, um, I played a lot of audio clips from Christine Anderson on this program over the, uh, the last nearly two years, and it was, it was great getting to speak with her. And if you want to meet her, and she's, uh, she's a great champion for freedom and bodily autonomy and has been on the forefront in the European Parliament for pushing back against the COVID-19 mandates. And her, her committee in the European Parliament, they did a lot to uh, expose Pfizer. It was her committee. It wasn't just her. There were others in her committee that, that got Pfizer, that Pfizer executive, to admit that Pfizer never tested whether their COVID jab reduced transmission. That was a game changer. So Christine Anderson, a real hero, a courageous woman, and uh, we need politicians like her in this country. And if you want to know more about her Canada tour, it's called What Would Christine Anderson Do? And you can go to the website, www.cadtour.com. www.cadtour.com, not triple W. Not triple W, just WW. That stands for What Would and then C-A-D, Christine Anderson Do. www.cadtour.com. The uh, WEF and Bill Gates, or Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates, are there two more ridiculous and clownish and cartoonish-looking villains than these two? I don't think so. And as I've talked uh, about many times on this program, those two and others want us freezing in the dark on our knees and eating bugs. They want to take the world back to the feudal system, the Middle Ages. Not for them. They'll still get to fly private jets and 
sail in their private yachts and eat red meat. And the rest of us, well, we're just serfs. They're the lords, we're the serfs. And I wasn't kidding when I was talking about bugs. And I talked about that, that huge new government-funded cricket factory down near London, Ontario. Well, here it comes. As of yesterday, a food additive made out of powdered crickets began appearing in foods from pizza to pasta to cereals across the European Union. Someone named Dave Blount writing, The liberal world order has decided that the little people must eat bugs to prevent the climate from fluctuating in accordance with ruling class ideology. Yet rather than mindlessly obey the experts as most did with COVID policy, people have resisted. So our moon bat overlords are furtively sneaking insects into our food. This will allow them to reveal in the near future that we have already been eating bugs, so there's no reason to object to them shutting down farms and imposing this new diet. The European Union has also recently approved the use of Alphidobius, let me see if I can pronounce this, Alphidobius, Alphidobius diapernus, otherwise known as the lesser mealworm for human consumption. Yum, yum. Not only crickets, they want us eating mealworms. Not even the good mealworms. These are the lesser mealworms. I'd be curious to know uh, if, if you found any food products in Canada with cricket powder. Check your food labels very carefully. Read your food labels because they're going to slip this in surreptitiously. Believe me, they're not going to broadcast. Oh, this this cereal contains cricket powder. And then they'll gradually normalize it and expand it. They want us all eating bugs and it's already started. I'm, uh, I'm going to take your uh, calls today towards the tail end of the show around 26 or sorry, about 20 minutes to six. Around 5.40 this afternoon, I'll, uh, I'll open the phone lines, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Coming up this hour, Tony Heller will be here as we push back against the cult of climate change. Say, did you hear what John Kerry said at the WEF? He's the uh, American climate czar, former Secretary of State John Kerry. At the WEF meeting, he lied yet again. He said 50% of all species have gone extinct and then went on to blame climate change. It's a complete lie, but he gets away with it. Not on this show. Tony Heller will be here to talk about that and other matters. Uh, but coming up first, our health care in Ontario is in shambles, of, car, uh, of course, uh, in part, in large measure, in fact, due to staff shortages. We have a shortage of nurses. Now, one Simple step that could really help rehire the nurses who were fired for refusing the jab. Tamara Ugolini from Rebel News is next with that story. The Richard Serrett Show off and running for Wednesday, January 25th. Keep your stick on the ice. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. At the, uh, the height of the pandemic, well, December, by December of 2021, by some estimates, nearly 10,000 
unvaccinated healthcare workers across Canada had been placed on unpaid leave or were basically fired by health authorities. I'm not sure how many of those, if any, have been hired back, how many more have been added to that list, how many more have been fired or laid off. But obviously, rehiring those nurses would go a long way to alleviating the, the strains on the healthcare system here in Ontario in particular. And yet, the province and in fact, hospital administrators have made, they, they don't even make the connection. They won't even publicly say it out loud that the, the strain on the healthcare system has been exacerbated by firing all of these nurses. Well, last weekend, a number of uh, nurses, about 200 of them, in fact, healthcare workers, not just nurses, gathered over the, uh, the weekend in person and virtually to share their experiences as ousted professionals due to ongoing COVID-19 vaccine mandates. And uh, Tamara Ugolini from Rebel News was uh, there to cover that story. Tamara, welcome. How are you? Hi, Richard. I'm doing well, thank you. And how are you? Very well, thank you. So these uh, 200 healthcare workers, uh, what was the, the purpose of this gathering? So it was really a show of solidarity for the continued exile, really, of healthcare workers in the healthcare sector um, to to rally together to show support in that you know they continue to be ousted from gainful employment due to their personal medical choices. And also a separate angle was that the mainstream media, in particular CTV News and their health correspondent Avis Favero, was there to finally cover this unfolding um, and this affliction that seems to be still infiltrating the healthcare sector and finally shed light on this subject. And so the event in its entirety was, was very coordinated and orchestrated by CTV news um, in, in terms of leading the discussion. And so the, the main narrative was simply to shed light on the fact that there are a whole segment of healthcare workers, in particular nurses, who are trained, who are experienced, who are willing, ready, able, and healthy, and want to work, and are being ousted and prevented from doing so by continued mandates in the healthcare sector, which I should note that Directive 6, which originally came out from Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Kieran Moore, was what kind of um, fueled these vaccine mandates in what they called vulnerable sectors. And so healthcare was obviously a big part of that, but that was rescinded. Um, I believe it was in August of 2020 that that directive was, sorry, uh, 2022, that that directive was rescinded. But the it appears that the Ontario Health Hospital, the Ontario Hospital Association has continued to really have a stronghold on the implementation of continued COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Uh, in, in other words, the provincial government seems to be saying, you know, it, it's OK if you want to hire back unvaccinated or unjabbed healthcare workers. It's the hospital administrators that are saying we won't do it. Yeah, hospital administrators, but also this sort of this governing body, the Ontario Hospital Association as a whole, that seems to be saying we need to continue in this direction. And surprisingly, I was I was quite taken aback and 
giving credit where it's due. The CTV News uh, piece that was published uh, as a result of this event was quite fair. And in there, they noted that they had repeatedly reached out to the Ontario Hospital Association asking for the science around why this particular sector continues to impose this heavy handed mandate. And all of their requests fell on deaf ears. They, they did not receive any sort of response. Do we have any numbers, uh, specific numbers on the number of healthcare workers that are basically sitting on the sidelines because they're, you know, they're standing up for their own bodily autonomy and uh, they're willing and able to return to work but can't? Do we know any numbers? So the Ontario Hospital Association and various hospital CEOs would have you believe that it's a small fringe minority to play on the words of our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Um, but it's hard to, to really ascertain because as one of the nurses in my report kind of highlighted here is that many nurses were told that they would not have their um, their files flagged by the union and would would kind of, if they went quietly, so if they just took a leave or they quietly resigned, then they would not have their files flagged when the mandates, you know, came out because they had a few months, kind of, a lot of people were aware that this was going to be coming down the pike and it would be instituted. And so many of the nurses quietly resigned before the mandate actually came into force. It was perhaps a small fringe minority that hung on as long as they did to be actually terminated. And there's also the prior context here of the mask mandate. So many professionals, and we saw that all throughout Canada, really what they called was the great resignation throughout COVID. And arguably that was due to the initial institution of mask mandates. And people realized that they could not wear masks for eight, 12 hours a day and if you were you were able to get early retirement or you were coming up to retirement anyway, many people took that avenue instead of continuing in with this sort of madness. So it's hard to gauge, but there's a few other compounding factors, I think, at play rather than just who was terminated and, and, and what that group looks like. Well, maybe uh, if, if we knew there's another way, I guess we could go about it, and that is how many nurses do, do, does the province say we're short or how many do we need to fill the uh, to alleviate the strain on the system well it's enough that that premier ford has decided that they're going to poach nurses from other provinces or poach nurses nurses internationally and fast track training and that was another thing that these principled seasoned nurses were really sounding the alarm on is the fact that you have to have a certain amount of training and in the field experience to go up into some of these positions. For instance, one emergency department nurse said, you know, she needed 10 years of, of hospital working experience to even apply for the job as an uh, emergency department nurse. And now they're just willy nilly fast tracking nurses up into this position with very little experience and hands on tangible expertise. And it's, Ultimately, the patients that suffer in the end due to those um, risky and and irresponsible, really, decisions. Tamara, we'll take a quick time out, come back and continue to discuss how the COVID-19 vaccine mandates continue to exacerbate Ontario's healthcare staffing crisis. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. Tamara Ugolini stays with us with uh, from Rebel News, and we're talking about the fact that despite, uh, you know, the worst of the COVID-19 pandemic is long gone, 
No more lockdowns, no more mask mandates for the most part. No more vaccine passports. And yet we're still being haunted, still being haunted by COVID-19 vaccine mandates when it comes to our healthcare system because it's causing a huge staffing crisis. And it's it's kind of interesting to Mara that, it, you know, I know you and Rebel News have been railing against this for for a couple of years. Uh, likewise, same here on this program and this radio station. And uh, CTV finally comes around very, very, very late in the game and decides to dedicate a mere three minutes this weekend, kind of conducting a town hall meeting with about 200 um, healthcare workers that were part of the um, United Healthcare Workers of Ontario. Um, I, I just find that kind of interesting. A lousy three minutes in 2023 uh, when we've been talking about this for uh, two years. Yeah, it, it was it was interesting to see and contrast the different ways that myself and my videographer work compared to how the mainstream media, they really ran the show. They really led the narrative with the group and only were interested in that one specific narrative in terms of how these healthcare workers are still being ousted from the p- profession due to the ongoing vaccine mandates that are no longer a directive from the government. And, you know, it, it always comes back to me is how can we adequately discuss the injustice i mean aside from the moral stance of how unjust vaccine mandates and vaccine passports are how can we not discuss them without also simultaneously discussing what is so coined as you know the science tm i like to say um and and the the mainstream media journalist that was narrating the event was said point blank when things started to get a little bit weedy is that there was no interest there in discussing the science. So as I mentioned, there was very one narrow minded narrative to fulfill here. And it was hours of personal testimony and people giving their, their thoughts and their opinions and sharing insights. And it was condensed into a mere three minutes. Although as I mentioned before, I will give credit where it's due. It was quite a fair report. And I think that the the attendees who were very hesitant in having a mainstream media journalist represent them were fairly represented in that report. Right. But then they, you know, they bury it on a Sunday. Uh, it should be Sunday night at 10 p.m. Yeah, exactly. How are the other provinces now dealing with uh, staffing crisis and, and uh, the COVID uh, mandates, COVID-19 vaccine mandates? Are they are some provinces now saying listen the the health the strains on our healthcare system outweigh the you know the need for this mandate it's time to bring these nurses back any any provinces going that route yeah so the only provinces that seem to be stuck in this perpetual state of hysteria and knee jerk reactions are the provinces of ontario British Columbia, and I believe it is uh, New Brunswick. I could be mistaken for Nova Scotia. Uh, yeah, I believe it's New Brunswick that's still instituting the the passports. But every other province has done away with the mandates, and all of their healthcare staff are back to work. The thing that's really egregious here, and especially nonsensical, is that these were once hailed as frontline heroes, right? They worked through what was considered the peak pandemic. And I arguably, many of them have natural, robust immunity already. And in many instances, despite the fact that Directive 6, which I mentioned earlier, was the directive instituted by our medical officer of health here in Ontario that mandated uh, the COVID-19 vaccines in the healthcare sector, it specifically stipulated that there should be there will be exemptions and they should apply and how to work around that or, or 
the legalese was accommodate people with exemptions. And that was entirely disregarded by every hospital, from what I gather, every hospital across Ontario, except for Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto. For whatever reason, this particular hospital allowed exemptions and did not terminate their unvaccinated staff. Could uh, the health minister, that's uh, Sylvia Jones now, I believe, could she mm-hmm. could she order the hospitals to do away with the mandate with a stroke of a pen? So that's what one registered nurse, an ousted uh, emergency room, very seasoned, experienced nurse mentioned in my report, um, is that, you know, if the if the Ontario government can mandate that school staff and union workers in the education sector as they did recently in the fall of 2022, if they can mandate those that sector back to work or to remain in work at work, then why can't they do the same for hospital workers? I'm surely they could put out some sort of directive to the Ontario Hospital Association if that is in fact who is continuing the stranglehold of vaccine mandates. Um, you know, threaten with funding. Perhaps there are, I'm sure, lots of different avenues that the government could take to address the situation within our provincially funded healthcare system. But for some strange, unbeknownst to any one reason, um, instead they're continuing this stranglehold. And some would suspect that because these nurses were treated unfairly or unjustly, that this may open the door for legal action, you know, wrongful dismissal and things like this. And so the stranglehold persists because they don't want to be liable for the devastation that they did to people's livelihoods. Well, I don't want these hospital administrators crying poor, uh, you know, when it comes to alleviating the health care strain, because the uh, a part of the fix is, is staring them right in the face and they willfully choose to ignore it. And that is to rehire all of these healthcare workers, uh, frontline heroes who they um, unscientifically, unceremoniously fired because they stood up for their own bodily autonomy. Tamara Ugolini from Rebel News. Great work as always, Tamara. Thank you so much. Thank you. When we come back. Pushing back against the cult of climate change. Tony Heller will be here. Stay with us. The cult of climate change on The Richard Serrett Show. All right, welcome back. Let's dial it back to last week and the 2023 annual World Economic Forum Conference. Here's America's climate czar, the hypocrite, John Kerry. Have a listen to this Lollapalooza lie. You look at what's happening with species. Half the species of the planet have been already killed. You look at what's happening with species. Half the species of the planet have been already killed. You look at what's happening with species. Half the species of the planet have been already killed. Half the species, 50% of the species, he's trying to claim, have already become extinct. Now, there are some biologists who believe 50% of species might face extinction by the end of the century. That's also debatable. But to claim that half the species on the Earth are already extinct due to climate change? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. And he, go, he goes unchallenged. Tony Heller is the founder of RealClimateScience.com, and he joins us once again. Hey, Tony, how are you? I'm good, Richard. How about you? I'm very well. Uh, what do you make of uh, John Kerry's big lie at the World Economic uh, Forum? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Well, the... I mean, Animals are adapted to all extremely wide variety of climates and the, and the suggestion that the tiny little changes in the NASA temperature graphs are causing a mass extinctions are absurd. There, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, there, there's certainly issues with ocean pollution and coral reefs. A lot of coral reefs are in bad shape, but it's not due to climate change. Um, it's due to other things. So trying trying to peg this on climate change is absurd. Right. I mean, he's not even in line with the rest of the alarmists who are saying that 50 percent could face extinction by the end of the century. Uh, I mean, does this to you, does this speak to kind of a, a desperation on his part? And w last week we played Al Gore. Uh, some clips from Al Gore talking about our oceans are boiling. They're just they're just ramping up the lies. Does that speak to you to a certain desperation? They knew they know they're losing the argument. Um, hopefully that's the case. Um, they're not. You know, we've got, you know, on Twitter now we have um, Elon Musk is letting um, climate scam trend. A lot of people getting exposed to the fact that they've been lied to and that combined with all the vaccine information that's coming out, I think people are more receptive to the idea that government's lying to them. So I suspect there is a fair amount of desperation, yeah. You mentioned Elon Musk. It never occurred to uh, me to, to ask you this until now, and that is you were, you were off Twitter for quite a while. Uh, you were reinstated. Uh, are you finding 
now that your posts, uh, you know, I mean, are you no longer getting shadow banned? Are they starting to gain traction? Um, generally, well, well, when I was back in the old days before Elon, when, when I was still allowed on Twitter, um, they were playing all kinds of dirty tricks. Like they blocked all of my images. They marked them as sensitive. So they, and, and, and the stuff that I tweet is very um, visual. I post a lot of graphs. So they made it hard to communicate. And they also had an algorithm going where they were taking away old followers at exactly the same rate where I was getting new followers. But since Elon Musk took over, my follower account has increased by a factor of five um, just in the last two months. So um, I still see issues with Twitter. I, there's definitely still some sort of shadow banning stuff going on, but it's much better than it was previously. All right. Well, that's good news because you're getting the word out more and more. Tony Heller, founder of RealClimateScience.com, back with more as we push back against the death cult of climate change right after these. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back to the Cult of Climate Change. Tony Heller is with us, founder of RealClimateScience.com. He posts some terrific articles and also some terrific videos there as well. RealClimateScience.com. Tony, this is real bad news for the electric vehicle industry. A Norwegian shipping company has announced it's banning electric cars on its ferries because these things are a fire hazard. And they had one of their ships actually sink because one of the vehicles there caught fire and they couldn't uh, they couldn't extinguish the fire that the whole ship went down, taking all of the other vehicles with it. Yeah, well, if, if you get, you know, if you get a product from Amazon, which contains lithium batteries, it'll come in a box which has pictures of fires on it. And it says it's a fire hazard and an explosion hazard because lithium ion batteries are unstable and they're they're known to catch on fire. And that's what happened on that ship. So um, you can imagine a parking garage full of, you know, it's caught on fire. Um, and then they also said they're banning um, hybrid vehicles and hydrogen powered vehicles as well because because of the risk. So this is, you know, on, on ferries that are taking um, vehicles from, you know, one one location to another. But what about electric vehicles that are going to be, you know, manufactured in, in, I don't know, South Korea or Japan, and then they want to ship them to North America to be sold. Uh, aren't they going to run to a, a big problem there? I mean, if, 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 a, if a shipping company in Norway is banning it, aren't insurance companies going to stop, you know, uh, I- I- insuring these ships if they're, if they're transporting new electric vehicles? Well, I read an article the other day that the um, electric vehicle market in Europe is crashing and burning anyway, because the price of it costs more now to recharge an electric vehicle than it costs to purchase um, to to refill a gasoline powered car because the price of electricity has gone so high. So some people got into the electric vehicles because at one time it was free. They, they were letting you recharge Teslas for free, but now it costs more than it costs to refill with gasoline. So you're paying a premium for the car itself. You have long charge times. You have to wait for that. And, and it's more expensive now to operate. So it's, there's really not much. They don't have much going for them anymore. 
So regardless of what happens, it looks like the market is in, in very bad shape. And this is at a time when the U.S. government, the Biden administration, just spent billions and billions of dollars to to install these new chargers all along the highways, and nobody's going to be using them. So once again, they're just government trying to force a bad idea and um, throwing money away. Oh, this doesn't bode well for a Tesla stock, does it? Well, all of all of the um, electric vehicle companies' stocks are crashing. Tesla's crashing, Rivian's crashing. They're all following the same curve because it's a bad idea. They're they're toys for rich people. They're not suitable for the middle class. Well, how soon then before some of these jurisdictions like California in Canada, they also have uh, uh, ruled that by 2035, all new vehicles sold have to be electric vehicles? I mean, surely they can see the writing on the wall. This is just a non-starter. Well, people are going to obviously people are going to start getting very angry. You've got um, tens of millions of middle class people in California and they start seeing that their governors are not going to let them purchase a vehicle and they can't afford to purchase an electric vehicle. And that's going to generate a lot of anger. And so the Democrats are going to have to give this up at some point. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. I wanted to ask you about um, uh, these small modular nuclear reactors um, that uh, they're being showcased. Uh, the uh, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission has certified them, and they're basically, uh, I mean, this could be the, you know, you and I are obviously don't believe that, that uh, the climate change is an issue and that it's not, certainly not caused by CO2, but the idea that they could use these small modular reactors, you could have like 12 of them would be enough to power something like 870,000 homes. Uh, uh, this is a game changer, isn't it? Well, possibly. I mean, we have to see if they work. I think, I think, I think there's seven coal-fired power plants in Wyoming. The governor agreed to shut one of them down and replace it with one of these SMRs. Um, I don't think anyone's ever actually demonstrated them commercially that they actually work. And having a lot of these reactors, they, they generate a lot of um, waste, which could be used by terrorists in a, in a dirty bomb. You know, the safety issues with them, there's there's a lot of questions which need to be answered before anyone can say these are going to be a good thing. Uh, finally, I know I didn't send you the story, but I'm just reading this uh, just in the last few minutes. And it's being reported that as of yesterday, a food additive made out of powdered crickets 
began appearing in foods from pizza to pasta to cereals across the European Union. You know, we've been talking about this for months and months uh, about, uh, you know, the uh, the elites want us to eat bugs. Well, now they're slowly and somewhat surreptitiously slipping it into the ingredient ingredients in our food, powdered crickets. Are you seeing any any signs that it's happening down where you are in the U.S.? Um. No, I'm really care. We're we're really careful about what we eat. We only get to buy a lot of our f- food from a local f- farmer who we know, um, and, and they've been putting all kinds of bad stuff in food for a very long time. So you just have to be more increasingly careful. I'm pretty sure the people at Davos were not eating crickets, though. More likely, they were eating steak and lobster. Absolutely. Tony, uh, once again, a great pleasure. Founder of RealClimateScience.com. What videos are you working on today? Um, I'm actually not work. I've got several engineering deadlines I've been working on, um, and I've been a little light on the videos recently, although I did, I did have a good idea for one. Might have been about the crashing of the electric vehicle market. Actually, I, I did have a good idea a half hour ago. I'll have to remember what it was. Probably do that tonight. All right. How dare you actually have a real job? And <laughs> all right, Tony. Well, nobody's paying me to be a skeptic. That's for sure. That's true. All right. Well, um, thank you for all you do. We appreciate it. Tony Heller. Yeah, thanks, Richard. RealClimateScience.com. RealClimateScience.com. All right. Hour two awaits, including my conversation with Christine Anderson member of the European Parliament, and uh, she'll be visiting Canada later next month, and we'll tell you how you can uh, get tickets to her events, one of which is in uh, Toronto at a, a venue on Eglinton Avenue. Christine Anderson, very outspoken uh, critic of our Prime Minister and also a very big fan of the Freedom Convoy, and we're now, of course, approaching the one-year anniversary of the Freedom Convoy. Also, we'll open up the phone lines towards the tail end of the program. Just keep the number in mind, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. The Richard Show Hour 2, coming your way in just moments, right here on Saga 960. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Repeating, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting.
two of the Richard Serrett Show. If you missed hour one, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still plenty of great programming coming your way this hour, including your calls. We'll open up the phone lines. Last order of business, so around uh, 20 to 6, 20 minutes to 6 p.m. Eastern. You can call in at 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Well, I'll start taking calls then, but you can probably call in, oh, maybe around 25 after. 289-275-9600. And uh, we'll get to my conversation with Christine Anderson in a moment, but I just wanted to play this for you. This is uh, Justin Trudeau and his liberals. They're um, sequestered, cloistered away in a... Um, a, re- a cabinet retreat in Hamilton, Ontario. Of course, they dare not set foot out on the street where they are accosted by hundreds of angry protesters who just cannot stand the sight of our prime minister. He was asked about this at a um, a recent, uh, uh, I don't know, press uh, stop or whatever. Reporter asked him about what he thinks about these uh, protesters interrupting his cabinet retreat. Here's the prime minister. Um, you talk about most people being optimistic, but there do seem in the polls and whatnot a shift in the mood of the country, especially towards you. And I'm wondering if you uh, feel there's been a shift such that you no longer do those big, large, open public events like town halls, which were free-for-alls and you dressed people's questions. You do these controlled events. So has there been a mood shift in that regard? And what's affecting your thinking, not exposing yourself to the public more broadly? Uh, on the contrary, I'm continuing to be out there to meet with Canadians to uh, talk with them about their concerns and I will I will continue to do that staying connected particularly after uh, the tough years of the pandemic where we all had to change uh, the way we were doing things um, remains really important so uh, we're going to continue to be out there and we're not going to let uh, a handful of angry people uh, interfere with the democratic processes that Canadians have always taken pride in and being able to uh, you know, come up and, and meet uh, members of parliament, ministers, or even the prime minister and share uh, their preoccupations. That's one of the strengths of this country, uh, and we're going to ensure that that always uh, continues to be, even as, yes, Canadians are facing tough times right now, but the vast majority of Canadians aren't the types to throw up their hands and say, oh, it's all broken. Most Canadians roll up their sleeves and say, you know what, this is tough, but we're going to be there for each other. We're going to see each other through this, and we're going to build a better future for ourselves, for our family, and for our communities. Nonsense. Angry, angry protests. That is part of democracy, not violence. I'm talking about people who are angry and shouting and protesting. He seems to think that that's interfering with the democratic process. Again, the, the, uh, the inversion of truth falling out of the mouth like rain from our crime minister. And out of all of these movements, it is the Canadian truckers that stand out and shine brightest. Because it was the Canadian truckers, their boldness, their courage, their determination to stand up to their governments. And it was they who inspired so many others all over the world to finally come together and to be determined to put a stop to governments tearing down the very foundation of our democracies. And the reason I'm telling you all of this is this. 
while I might have given hope to people. Like I said, it's only half the story. Because the other part of the story is this. I, too, needed hope. I, too, needed to know that I am not the only one fighting this fight. We all needed this hope. We all did. And this is what you have given us. Hope. Hope that not all is lost yet. Hope that freedom and democracy can still be restored. And it is that hope that nurtures my strength and my determination to keep up fighting on my end. Christine Anderson, member of the European Parliament representing Germany and the Alternative for Germany party. And she joins me now. Christine, welcome. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing just fine. Thanks. You're coming to Canada. It's part of the What Would Christine Anderson Do tour, the Canada tour, February the 18th to the 25th. Uh, you'll, you'll be uh, stopping in Quebec, Ontario, and Alberta. Just give us, my listeners a sense. Why are you coming to Canada? Well, why am I coming to Canada? Uh, I've said it a couple of times, uh, and I will continue to say it. I just finally want to meet uh, uh, the people that I consider to be the bravest uh, on the planet and have been the bravest on the planet in the last three years. Um, because what the, what the Canadian truckers really did was, like I, like I said, and you just ran that clip, um, is yes, they gave hope to so many people. And uh, they may have started their trucks in Canada and the trucks may have been rolling in Canada, but um, they actually rolled over the entire world, the entire planet, and they lit a fire in every single country. And uh, people woke up and they started realizing something is not right. And, uh, yeah, they pretty much got it all going. And uh, that's why I just need to come to Canada because I want to, like I said, shake hands with these people and uh, just, just meet them. And I'll, uh, I'll point out as well, the, uh, the website is www cadtour.com what would christine anderson do tour it's www.cadtour.com and there you'll find the itinerary uh and uh, you can purchase tickets and uh, so forth again with stops in alberta ontario and quebec that's happening feb 18th to the 25th what specifically are you hearing from European farmers, truckers, just generally people in Europe, maybe more specifically Germany, if you're more familiar with what, how the, the trucker convoy here in Canada one year ago inspired them or impacted them? Uh, yeah, they did. I mean, there were some convoys over here in Europe. They started out, um, of course, uh, the authorities over here in Europe, they kind of saw what was happening in Canada. And uh, so they, they, were, they were pretty... Well, they, they wanted to nip it in the butt from the get-go. So uh, it never really started, really. I mean, before it started, they had pretty much uh, 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 put a stop to it already. So the truckers were not allowed to, to drive into cities, for, for example. So uh, it, it didn't quite catch on over here. Uh, they weren't given the opportunity. But um, what happened, in, particularly in Germany, is um, then we were not allowed to assemble, a free assembly anymore. We, we couldn't go to protests because of this deadly virus, you know. Uh, we could all catch a virus while we were protesting. So um, they would not allow any, any protests. 
And uh, what people did then is they decided to take a walk every Monday night in hundreds of cities all over Germany, you know. And, I mean, how, how can you stop people from taking a walk through a city? And uh, so, and, and this was, they didn't know what to do <clears throat> since it happened simultaneously in hundreds and hundreds of cities every Monday night. But, uh, yeah, that was just the way for the, of the German people to say, you know, you're trying to, to, to or you're trying to keep us from, from protesting. We'll find some other way. And they did. Uh, here in, in Canada, unfortunately, uh, according to the polls, and we can, you know, just whether we believe the polls or not, the majority of Canadians, sadly, appear not to support the, the Freedom Convoy. And the majority according to these same polls, seem to have, sadly, supported the Emergencies Act. I'd like your thoughts on, on how you feel about that and, the, and, the, and how that reflects on the state of our, our democracy here in Canada. Yeah, and hearing those numbers, that actually leaves me flustered. Um, I, for the life of me, I cannot understand it. Uh, I've been trying to make sense of this. And uh, what I came up with um, is probably... Uh, it has to do with the fact that uh, we, have the, those having been born and raised in Western democracies, we are to spoil, spoiled brats. We do not know. We have no clue on what we stand to lose because we never had to fight for freedom. We have never had to fight for democracy. We are at a point uh, uh, at this point. It's always been there it just fell out of the sky on one day and, and whoops there it was and it's always going to be there uh, because we have democratically elected governments and you know the whole shebang so uh, we do not have a sense of urgency and we do not really understand what it's like what it is like to live in a totalitarian regime when you look at the countries uh, of eastern europe it, it's a whole different ball game over there because it's been what 30 years since they have overcome a totalitarian Soviet rule regime. Um, so they, they still know what it is like, and they recognize the mechanisms um, that were in place back then, and they are recognizing the same things now. Uh, they have learned how to read a newspaper. The important thing is not what is in the newspaper. The important thing is what is not in the newspaper, and you have to be able to read between the lines. They have a sense for the euphemisms that are being thrown around everywhere now. Uh, the, rede the, the redefinition of certain concepts um, that get totally twisted. Now, fundamental rights are now privileges uh, that governments grant or withhold, depending on how you behave. So, um, And they understand all of this. They see this, and they still remember what it was like. Uh, to live in a, in, a, in a totalitarian regime. So they are way more alert. But us spoiled brats, we don't have no clue. And uh, it's real, especially in Germany, you know, it's like never, never, ever again. And by saying that, what they mean is we should never allow a horrific regime like the Nazi regime ever to be able to, to come to power again. But I'm, I, I, let me tell you this. I mean, the ones screaming loudest, never again, those were exactly the ones uh, heading the parade. They were marching right in front of all of it, and they were begging the government for more restrictions and more surveillance. And, and so they have no concept of, uh, I mean, they would not recognize totalitarianism if it jumped up and bit them in their faces. 
Uh, Christine, we'll take a quick time out, come back and discuss uh, further. Christine Anderson, member of the European Parliament, and she is coming to Canada. It's uh, the What Would Christine Anderson Do Tour. Again, information at www.cadtour.com. www.cadtour.com, Feb 18th to the 25th. Back with more of our conversation right after these. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. It would have been more appropriate for Mr. Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, to address this House according to Article 144, an article which was specifically designed to debate violations of human rights, democracy, and the rule of law, which is clearly the case with Mr. Trudeau. Then again, a Prime Minister who openly admires the Chinese basic dictatorship who tramples on fundamental rights by persecuting and criminalizing his own citizens as terrorists just because they dared to stand up to his perverted concept of democracy should not be allowed to speak in this house at all. Mr. Trudeau, you are a disgrace for any democracy. Please spare us your presence. Thank you. Member of the European Parliament, Christine Anderson, speaking before our Prime Minister's scheduled address before the European Parliament. How widely held are your views about our, our I call him our Prime Minister, uh, how widely are held by your colleagues uh, are these views that you have? Within my party, they're, they're, it's, it's a large majority, seeing it just the, the way it is, as I, as I uh, described it. So they they're, uh, agree with me. But unfortunately, in this House, in the EU Parliament, uh, we are a, a small minority. I would say there were 705 MEPs in the House, and I would say at the most, we would, uh, if we're lucky, we would get uh, around 150 votes if there was ever a vote on, on something like this. Yeah, we are in a minority, and this minority is growing, and, and that's, that's the, the, the good part about it. Ever since we started with my other three colleagues, with this, uh, Christian Terhash, uh, Francesca Donato, and Ivan Sincic, it was just the four of us starting out. We have grown. The thing is, I mean, everything we have been saying has now been proven to be right. So, and uh, this just stuns me too. I mean, there's been a lot of people that have been calling on that BS from the get-go, you know? So they were marginalized, they were stigmatized, they were, you know, silenced, whatever. Uh, They were taken off, deplatformed, social media deleted their tweets, whatever. But everything they have been saying turned out to be true. And still, people don't want to see it. And that really is, that is so astonishing. And uh, it is at times frustrating too, I will have to admit that. But you should never let let the frustration get the better of yourself. I just continue and I just do what I I feel is the right thing to do. It's, It's pretty hard to stop me once I'm onto something. Let me ask you about the political culture in Europe versus Canada. We seem to be behind the curve in getting conservative populist grassroots parties off the ground where they can gain traction. We have the People's Party with Max Bernier. They don't have an elected member of parliament. It's very difficult for them to gain gain any traction in the media, to, to get any widespread popular support. They're about maybe 3% in the polls. Meanwhile, in Europe, we see the sudden emergence of conservative populist parties like the Brothers Party in Italy. There's a a very populist party in Flanders, uh, in Belgium of all places, which is the seat of the European Parliament. 
Why do you suppose that is? Why are these populist parties so quick to emerge and gain influence in Europe, but not here in Canada? Well, I think that the political culture is, is different. I mean, uh, in Anglo-Saxon countries, and I hope I'm not offending you when I count you in, in the, into that category as Canadians, but you tend to, to only have the bipartisan kind of things, two parties. You know, when you look at the United States, you have the Democrats, uh, the Republicans, the same in, in Great Britain. Um, so there's really only two parties. Uh, but in the rest of Europe, especially in Germany, we always had uh, uh, several parties. And, um, but it's not as easy over here, it, as it might seem, uh, to, to f- get a new party rolling. I mean, we deal with the same thing. You know, we are being uh, uh, not invited to media, uh, the talk shows and mainstream uh, television and all of that. And um, I, I would have to say that um, had we not had the Internet, once my party was founded, we would be dead by now. There, there would have been no way for us to, to even be able to you know, reach people. But since we have the Internet and that's why they are so uh, determined to get a, con- a handle on things and to control it with misinformation and, and hate speech and, you know, all of this. Um, uh, but it is, it is kind of different. And the reason why in all of, pretty much in all of uh, uh, these countries in Europe, you have parties like that is because, uh, yeah, people are fed up and they are just seeing through the BS uh, a minority, I have to say, but they are seeing it. And it's that, you know, whatever the politicians are saying and what they're doing are completely different things. And uh, they, they have a sense of that gaslighting going on. Um, of the lies, you know, and, and of the manipulation, the coercion, especially with all of these COVID uh, measures and COVID restrictions. Um, and they sense that and they pick up on that. And, uh, well, probably it, it's a pure act of self-defense, you know, that you eventually come up with a party of your own uh, or join a new party. Uh, but it's a direct response to the, um, yeah, the utter uh, contempt these politicians have for the people by now, uh, which, by the way, pay them, you know, they take the money, of course, but um, they have no regard for the people. They do not, not act in their best interest, and uh, people are just fed up with it. And uh, I'm pretty convinced these people will grow in numbers. Now, in Germany, it it's, uh, might be a little more difficult because, you know, it, whenever you speak up against, you know, what the uh, ruling classes want, then you are a Nazi, obviously. And that worked just fine, you know, for the longest time. But the inflationary uh, use of that term, I mean, it's useless now. You know, they slap it on everyone. I mean, seriously. So, uh, and people just go like, well, yeah, so, you know. But uh, it isn't quite as, as easy as you as you might think. But it is a heck of a lot easier than I can imagine than than the United States, for instance, or or Canada. Christine Anderson, member of the European Parliament, coming to Canada Feb 18th. Back with more of our conversation right here on The Richard Serrett Show. Don't go away. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. A few minutes remain with member of the European Parliament, Christine Anderson, representing the country of Germany and the Alternative for Germany party. The World Economic Forum just wrapped up their, their 2023 annual conference. 
just give me your overall thoughts on where we are in terms of the WEF's influence. Some are suggesting that uh, Klaus Schwab might be on his way out. There were a number of notable absences at this year's WEF. Do you sense people are waking up? Do you sense that their influence is waning? Oh, gosh. I wish. I wish it was. Uh, Unfortunately, when it comes to that, I'm not quite that optimistic. I mean, we're talking about people. They are so incredibly powerful. I mean, they have, you know, financial means that it's just unheard of pretty much. And uh, they, they set out to dictate to everyone on this planet how they have to live their life. And uh, there might have been some people not showing up this year for whatever reason. Um, whether or not Klaus Schwab is on his way out, I really don't care. I mean, you know, who is he anyway? Um, and, you know, a lot of times I'm asked, well, who is actually behind that? Who is pulling the strings? Or who is calling the shots? And I always have to, I have no idea. I don't even think it's Klaus Schwab. He is he's just a puppet himself, you know. So who are the people actually behind that? Who are the ones really calling the shots? And that, to that, I have no answer. But what we're seeing is, uh, I mean, they're starting to build like this this uh, neon city in Saudi Arabia. Uh, the, you know, call it the, 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 the line wall or something like that. So, I mean... This is dystopia uh, pure, you know. Uh, so it's like we're 200 kilometers long, uh, 200 meters wide, and 500 meters high. And uh, there's, it's supposed to house 9 million people. And you're supposed to subscribe to a three-meal-a-day prescription. So, I mean, you know, if I wanted to get t- total control of 9 million people, that's exactly where and how I would house them. In the middle of the desert with nowhere to go, you know. And uh, like I said, if you don't behave, well, guess what? You will not get your meal today, for instance. So, um, yeah, but it, it is going there. We are talking about EU, the digital ID. We're talking about, uh, you know, there's not going to be any cash anymore. These are all mechanisms and means they will have to implement uh, in order to totally control people. And we've seen that with a, with a, a freedom truckers. They just froze their bank accounts, you know. So if there's no cash anymore, they can do whatever they want with us. A quick word on um, the, the COVID vaccine narrative, which seems to be, thankfully, unraveling. We now have, for example, here in Canada, Health Canada has finally admitted 400 people died after the vaccine. They won't say that there's you know, causation, but there's, they're admitting there's correlation. This is pretty new, actually, for them to come out. You know, for the longest time, they were saying it's completely safe and it's effective. Uh, yeah. um, we had the, um, the CEO of Pfizer who's refused to testify before the um, European Parliament, I believe, on two separate occasions. Uh, he was confronted by Rebel News at, uh, at Davos and refused to answer any questions. Uh, is it yours? Do you have the sense that that it is finally collapsing this whole narrative and people are waking up to all of the lies and, and uh, the unscientific basis on which these mandates were instituted? Yes, it is collapsing. And uh, I'm, I'm a little proud because uh, this actually did start in, in EU Parliament and in, in the COVID committee. And it was me and my colleagues 
who uh, made sure that it was was just coming crashing down because we did not back down. Uh, we were admonished by the chair and we were, you know, threatened to not get speaking time or whatever. But we didn't care, you know. So whenever we did get speaking time, uh, I mean, we just laid it down and we really, you know, uh, verbally roughed them up pretty bad. And um, that got him in a state, and then you had the, the Pfizer representative, I mean, admitting they never even tested whether that mRNA, uh, mRNA injection uh, was, could even prevent transmission or infection. So, uh, yeah, it is coming down. And what we will be seeing um, in the months to come, that uh, is a lot of politicians will pop up everywhere and claiming they have known all along, and that's what they've been saying the entire time. And uh, so you will see a lot of politicians now switching sides. And uh, that's why I'm so grateful. There is a lot of initiatives uh, around the world where people actually document what the politicians really said and how they were forcing and threatening people. Uh, if you don't get vaccinated, this, that, and the other happens to you. So all of this documentation um, that is, is so valuable, and um, I might be willing to forgive, but I will never, ever forget. That's an absolute no-go. Christine, thank you so much for spending some time. I appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy your stay in Canada. Thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to coming over. All right. We're going to open up the phone lines. Get on board. Join the conversation. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show and your calls right after these. News not in the news. The news. All right. Welcome back. 289-275-9600. We just have a couple of minutes. I'll do some news not in the news in the next segment. I want to talk to you about uh, scientists are now warning... Eggs are causing thousands of people to suddenly form blood clots. That's right. Now it's eggs. All right. It's everything else. But the uh, mRNA jab is causing these blood clots and strokes and Bell's palsy and myocarditis and pericarditis. It's everything else, literally everything else except the COVID jab. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, right now, let's grab a call, and we're, we're going to welcome Mo to the program. Mo, welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. How are you? Do we have Mo there? Hi, how are you? Um, I'm well, thank, thank you. For you. Having me. My pleasure. I, I just have a general comment, and I really hope you don't take it uh, in a bad way, but I really think that your existence as a, of course, freedom of speech as a fundamental right. But every time I hear um, any of the nonsense that sometimes you mention in the show, I actually try to not to vote liberal. And then I hear your show, I hear some of the lies that you mention, and I just go vote liberal, liberal again. It's, um, it's really, really like when you mention you just mentioned 400 died from COVID vaccine and health care. No, 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 that's not true. That's not what I said. I said 400 died after receiving the COVID vaccine. I said it's not causation. They're admitting there could be a correlation. All right. So it, I don't mind you coming on and disagreeing with me, but let's get your your criticism straight. OK, Mo, so. Based on what I say, you decide to vote liberal because you don't like what I say. That's fine. Go ahead. That, that, that's actually, yeah, that's actually 
because you're not facing any, you're not giving any solutions or even discussing in a in, a, in an organized manner what what we're actually truly facing, especially the middle class and really trying to fight to join the middle class. So yeah, that's a general comment. And again, thank you so much for having me, and I really appreciate that. And I again. It's really great to have that kind of freedom of speech, although I really disagree with everything that almost you say. Almost everything I disagree. Mm. Well, you're certainly free to do that. Isn't that interesting? I have such power over poor Mo that he's just about to cast a ballot for the other ones, the conservatives, and then he hears me open my big fat mouth and he says, no, because I don't like Richard Serrett, I'm going to vote conservative. Wow. I didn't realize I had that kind of power. I didn't realize I had that kind of power. All right, Mo, thank you. <laughs> That's encouraging. I have that kind of power at my disposal. All right. We'll uh, continue to take your... I know what? That's my first critical call. It's wonderful. Keep them coming. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. A quick timeout. We'll come back and I'll tell you about how eggs are causing blood clots. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. Hey, welcome back. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. I had my first critical call, which is a good sign. That's what talk radio is all about. Although when someone prefaces a call by saying, I'm all for free speech, but... <laughs> I love free speech, but then, uh, you know, that call's going to head south in a hurry, but that's all right. Uh, I wanted to just very quickly mention um, how everything now, everything but the COVID-19 mRNA therapeutic gene intervention jab causes blood clots, except everything but the, uh, the, the mRNA shot causes blood clots. Everything else does, including eggs now. Just reading an article here in the Express, which that's a, a newspaper in the UK. This is the online edition. Blood clotting is a normal response to injury. Sometimes, however, it can lead to cramps, pain and swelling. And it enters. And if it enters the circulatory system, it can be fatal. In a small study, one popular breakfast food has been linked to the condition. Blood clots typically form in the veins of the legs, arms and groin. It's when they break off and travel to other parts of the body, such as the lungs, that they pose a risk. Typically, risk factors for blood clotting include surgery, cancer, and pregnancy. The findings from one small study, however, imply that a nutrient found in eggs and meat may also increase the risk of blood clotting. The study conducted by Cleveland Clinic suggested the, that choline could make the blood more prone to clotting. Choline is sometimes sold in over-the-counter dietary supplements. It is deemed an essential nutrient that's widely recommended for optimal health, According to Medical News Today, it supports various bodily functions, including cellular growth and metabolism. The body, makes, the body makes some choline, but the majority comes from dietary sources. Researchers found that consuming the nutrient in high concentrations could lead to cause clotting, however. So they're saying that eggs could be behind all of the, uh, the blood clots that we're seeing now. All right. Well, we can add that to the list. Remember when they were telling people not to shake their bedspread too vigorously while making the bed because that could lead to heart attacks? Interesting. All right. Let's see if uh, 
we can get here. Oh, here's Alan. Is it Alan Dennis from Vancouver? Welcome to the program, Alan. No, oh, oh, hi, Richard. No, it's, it's Alan uh, Innes from Vancouver. Ah, okay. um, I'm going to make a, a slight criticism again. I, I, I listen to your show every day, and I, I agree with virtually everything that, that, that you say. Um, but your interview yesterday uh, with Viva Fry, I, I, I follow uh, quite often as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I applaud your uh, your defending, um, uh, you know, him not having his bank account closed. Um, I don't know so much disagree with that. It's just that I went and listened to what he actually said because I hadn't heard it before. And it was it was so disturbing to me. If if uh, that were a customer of mine, um, I would have to seriously consider, uh, you know, not be, you know not doing business with an individual who makes comments like that. Now I agree for his his right to say it. He can say whatever he wants. We are responsible for how we are responsible for what he said. And what he said was really, uh, really, really disturbing in, in my view. So I, again, I applaud you guys for, uh, for defending him. Uh, but that, that crossed the line for me, Richard, and I have a very, very long road. So that's just no, my I, comment. Listen, so, I'm not, dis- I'm not defending what he says. I'm defend what I'm, what I, I didn't say I, you said I, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is, what is very troublesome though. I think it's equally disturbing to whatever he said. And, and he said a lot of disturbing things. I don't, you know, I don't follow him. I know he said some horrible things about Pierre Polyev's wife. I know he said some, some things that, yeah, in, in civil company, in polite company, that crosses the line. You wouldn't invite this person to your block party, nor would I. Uh, but when we start debanking people, that's a whole other kettle of fish. We don't do that in a civil society. And if we if we can't defend people who 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 say loath, loathsome things, then there's no point of having free speech. If we all just defend people that we agree with and that say polite things, there's no point. It's but we have to draw a line here, even with people that I agree with you. It's loathsome what he says at times. Um but as, as Viva Fry pointed out, Carla Homolka has a bank account. Uh, you know? Yep. Uh, yeah, well, he, but what he said wasn't anything anywhere near as disturbing as anything Carla Homolka's done. I, I, I there you go. There. Anyways, yeah. I'm just I'm telling you, if he were to, uh, no, I'm not a bank, but if he were doing business with me, and uh, again, you maybe you might want to go listen to the clip again. It's uh, You play it on air if you want, but it is it is so, I'll tell you, I was shaking, and I'll tell you, it takes a, it takes a lot to move me, and uh, it, it was it was just so disturbing uh, that there's no way that I would want to do business or have anything to do with an individual like that. Right. But keep up right. the great work. I love your I show. It. And same to Viva Fry. You guys, you guys are, it's unbelievable. The, the, you know, the, uh, the burden you guys are shouldering and, and keep it up. Thank you very much. I appreciate the call, Alan. Thank you so much. All right. Let's see. Uh, let's say hi to Dan from Waterloo. Dan, welcome. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. 
Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Hi, Richard. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to provide a rebuttal to Mo, who just called in with, with his criticism, which is completely fair. Sure. Go ahead. So uh, ultimately, what I, want, what, what I wanted to say is uh, really just a couple things, and it kind of tags on nicely with, with, I think it was Alan's call just before mine. Um, he did a little bit of fact-checking. He went back to the source and you know, listen to some of the uh, content that was maybe referred to on your show beforehand. So, you know, with regards to to Mo, same sort of thing. He might disagree with a lot of things that that he hears, but you know, use that opportunity to educate yourself. Go back, check what you heard, make sure that you heard it right, and you know, educate yourself um, on all the issues. And and uh, I, I think that's a, a key thing. And I even have an idea that if time permits, I'd share about, you know, what I'm contemplating with regards to this whole shorting, shortage of, of uh, hospital workers. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, we have a couple minutes. Yeah, you know, it just came to my mind. Well, what can I do? This is an issue that affects us all. I'm a taxpayer. I've been a long-time taxpayer. Um, it's my funds that are helping run these hospitals, for example. I just looked up on our local uh, hospital board, there's there's a procedure that you can present yourself in front of the board of directors. Now, whether these meetings are still taking place, whether they're still taking place in person post-COVID, I'm not sure. There's somebody I could reach out to. I found them on the website. But there's nothing stopping me from asking, could I go in front of the board of directors? Could I go in front of the leadership and ask, you know, when are you going to do the right thing in accordance with your uh, policy that says on your, your very own website that you welcome all to the hospital. Well, when are you going to welcome all of those unvaccinated workers back? Ideally with back pay, but put the questions to them. You know, it's all right. 100%. You're absolutely right. But it would be much quicker, I would contend, if Sylvia Jones would just fire off a letter uh, or, I don't know, they could draft a piece of legislation. I don't know exactly what, what the mechanism would be. Uh, I mean, I would certainly applaud people going, you know, and, and, and saying their piece before the board. How much weight that would uh, carry, I don't know. It's certainly you're right. I would encourage people to do that. But I think we need, a, we need to expedite things a little bit. And I think the premier and his cabinet has it, have it in their power uh, to do that. All right. Thank you for the call. All of you. Appreciate it. All right. That's it for me. My thanks to... Uh, Jody and Money, Declan and Jacob will be back tomorrow to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. 
Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.